be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning on this 13th Sunday after Pentecost is the gospel from Matthew 16. You heard it read before. I recall just these words. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Those who want to come with me must say no to the things they want, pick up their crosses, and follow me. Those who want to save their lives will lose them, but those who lose their lives for me will find them. So far the word. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who carried his cross all the way to death and then rose again so that we might live forever, my beloved. So, what's your worldview? What's your worldview? You know, even though you don't know it, everybody has one. You have one, too. Definition of a worldview found uh, in Focus uh, on the Family this past week. A personal worldview is a combination of everything you believe to be true and what you believe becomes the driving force behind every emotion, decision, and action. Therefore, it affects your response in every area of life, from philosophy to science, from theology to anthropology to economics, law, politics, art, social order, everything. Someone with a biblical worldview believes that his or her primary reason for existence is to love and to serve God. And a biblical worldview is based on the infallible word of God. Maybe some of you know of the name George Barna. Anyway, George Barna... uh, has a research group that he heads. And very recently, he polled Americans about their worldview. And he asked eight questions. They are as follows. Do absolute moral truths exist? Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Is God the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and does he still rule it today? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Is Satan, the devil, real? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? And is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings. Now, here's the stunning results. According to his findings, only 4% of all Americans hold a biblical worldview. And here's something even sadder. Only 9% 
of professing evangelical Christians hold to a biblical worldview. And you see all the stuff around you, don't you, on the media? And don't you ask yourselves the question every so often, why is there so much chaos in the world and here in the United States? I mean, after all, it was 241 years ago that our forefathers founded this country on Judeo-Christian principles, yes. It was people who left their homeland because of political and religious persecution and came to this country because they wanted to be free. And for a majority of the population for many, many years, they held on to a Judeo-Christian principles. No more. Only 4% of the population here in the United States holds a biblical worldview. There are 324 million people living here in the United States. That means that 311 million do not hold a biblical worldview. Only 13 million do. That's you and me in the minority. So what are the other worldviews floating around here in the United States? Well, there are five of them specifically that you can point your finger to. First of all, there is secularism. A secularist doesn't ask what God wants or what history directs him or her to do. Instead, just what do I do in life that serves me best? So God out of the way, history out of the way. Marxism, and yes, Marxism is well and alive here in the United States. The Bible, as you know, as we even heard in some of the readings this morning, directs believers to do hard work and then to share some of our resources with those who are in need. Marxism demands a forcible overthrow of all existing social orders and structures, government, the economy, religion, and family. A worldview that's out there. And then there's postmodernism. Absolute truth does not exist. Truth can really not be known. Truth is only what you deem it to be at this particular moment. Then there is the new spirituality. Exercise your spiritual practices that makes you feel one with the universe. It's sort of a return to Buddhism and Hinduism. It's been around for a long time. And then, of course, you know as well as I do, there's Islam. Disbelief in Islam must be conquered through jihad. And all of those worldviews perpetuate and saturate our lives every day through the media, through the entertainment industry, through public universities, and yes, now even through politics. So, what does this have to do with Matthew 16? Pick up your crosses and follow me. Those who want to save their lives will lose them, but those who lose their lives for me will find them. Jesus said, and by the way, these words of Jesus are repeated in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He said that he was going to be rejected 
He was going to suffer. He was going to die. And he was going to rise again on the third day. And he says, if you want to follow me, follow in my footsteps, you're going to have to pick up your cross. Following Jesus means recognizing that the things that happened to him could very well happen to us too if you want to follow him. Now, you have to face it, there are different levels of cross-bearing. Different crosses have different weights. Some crosses are heavier than others. You live in China, Indonesia, Iran, you could be killed for being a Christian. Stephen, St. Paul, some of the apostles were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ, beaten, imprisoned, killed. Cross-bearing, in its very definition, is anything that you may suffer for being a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus was rejected by the political and religious leaders of his day. And according to 96% of all Americans, you are all rejects for following Jesus Christ. Any signs of that rejection around us today? Oh, you bet there is. I can remember back when I was a kid. Oh, boy, that's a long time ago. They still had Christian prayer in public schools. No more. Monuments inscribed with the Ten Commandments are now being renewed, uh, removed from municipal property. Can't talk about creation in public school. And if creation is, it ever, is ever presented, it's sort of like an alternative philosophy, but certainly it's not science. And if you don't hold to evolution, you don't believe in, in science at all. And if you ever say that you stand against LGBT, watch out, because you will be guilty of hate speech. Years ago, they removed the cross from the Wauwatosa City emblem. Can't talk about religion, really, in the public workplace. And my goodness, don't ever be caught watching reruns of Leave it to Beaver, My Three Sons, The Waltons, because after all, those are perpetuating naive morals of an era gone by. And perhaps you saw it in the media this past week, too. One of the churches, Lakewood Church, down in Houston, Texas, somebody put out some false uh, rumors uh, by social media that that church of 16,000 seats wouldn't open itself to uh, the flood victims. It was wrong. But the people wanted to come out on social media and say, Christians are bad because they don't help others in need. So far, this is not heavy cross-lifting, you know. You want to see some heavy cross-lifting, then read the stories about the people in China who have to get together and worship 
in their small apartments packing 25, 50 people in there at 2.30 in the morning during a weekday because if they're caught, they might be killed. And certainly, whatever you do, don't put up a cross on the outside of your building because your building will be burned down. Jesus says that those who want to save their lives will lose them, but those who lose their lives for me will find them. That means that if our primary, if our primary concern is to save this life, to get the most out of this life in pleasure and satisfaction and enjoyment, and that is our God, you can end up losing everything. But if you lose your life for Jesus' sake, if you dedicate your life through faith in Jesus Christ to him, follow his guidance, obey his instructions, you will live not only a meaningful and God-pleasing life here in time, but also hereafter in eternity. Why is all this stuff happening around us that causes us to have to carry our cross? History tells us, by the way. Look all over the history books. Look all over the history of the Bible. The church has never really grown or spread in prosperity. It always has grown and expanded in adversity. Now, if that's true, maybe God yet is having some last-minute grace on the United States, and he wants Christianity to grow here yet. But it's still not comfortable being a reject. What should we do? The prayers of a righteous person is powerful, God says. So pray. Pray for the 96%. Pray for the 4%. And be faithful. Be faithful in teaching your children and your grandchildren a biblical worldview. God created the universe. And he sent his son, and he lived and died and rose again. And whoever believes in him as everlasting life, teach that so that our children will follow in our footsteps as we follow in our Savior's footsteps. And finally, as we conclude this morning, I think it's with no better words than uh, written by St. Peter in his first letter when he says, Dear friends... Do not be surprised by the fiery troubles that are coming in order to test you. Don't feel as though something strange is happening to you, but be happy as you share Christ's sufferings. Then you will also be full of joy when he appears again in glory. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit of glory. The Spirit of God is resting on you. Turn all your anxiety over to God because he cares for you. Keep your mind clear and be alert. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion and he looks for someone to devour. Be firm in the faith and resist him 
knowing that other believers throughout the world are going through the same kind of suffering. God, who shows you his kindness and who has called you through Jesus Christ to his eternal glory, will restore you, strengthen you, make you strong, and support you as you suffer a little while. Power belongs to him forever. Amen and amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate he suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time now to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. from 